Mandi comes from the Latin word mandatum, uh, which is a command, right? A mandate. And it refers, when we say Maundy Thursday, we're referring to that, that Thursday night when Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And then he taught them. He taught them a tremendous amount that night. Uh, the focus of his teaching was uh, on his work that was about to happen. This was the night of his betrayal. This was the night uh, where Judas is there at the table. The betrayer is right there in the midst, having decided to betray him. And Jesus teaches. In fact, if you look in the Gospel of John, you'll notice that from John 13 all the way through John chapter 17, all of that teaching happened in this context, this Thursday night, as we gather here tonight. So we try to put ourselves back into that place. What would it have been like to be with Jesus on this night? The command that he gave specifically refers to this command where he calls his disciples to love. He says this in John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. And then he said, by this, by this kind of love, right, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, Maundy Thursday, 2019. We do our best on a night like this. We want to keep the lights low. We want to enter into the weight of this night. This was a heavy night. I don't think the disciples had any idea of how significant these last hours with Jesus were. They spent the evening together and late into the night, and then they headed into the garden, remember, where Jesus prayed and the disciples fell asleep, and then Judas came with the soldiers and betrayed Jesus with a kiss. By 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, Friday morning, at 9 a.m., Jesus was being nailed to the cross and lifted high. That's a heavy night. By 3 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, his work is finished. Six hours of suffering on the cross tomorrow. And then the silence of Saturday, and certainly we'll be gathering back here on Sunday to celebrate an empty tomb. But tonight, I want us to feel the, the impending work of Christ. These six hours are upon us soon. And so we feel the weight of this as we journey with Jesus through this teaching tonight. Let me just open in prayer as we spend a few minutes in his word together. Lord, we thank you for the work that you accomplished on Good Friday. We feel how serious and weighty that day was. What a what a heavy day it will be tomorrow. And yet tonight we celebrate as we gather your teaching, your intimate love, the, the significant words that you spoke to your disciples and to us even tonight here 
as we review them. Be honored, Lord, in our time as we remember and be glorified as we gather once again this Resurrection Sunday, just a few days from now, and celebrate your finished work. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled my devotion tonight, The High Calling of Servanthood. What I'd like to do is journey into this experience that Jesus shared with his disciples, a specific aspect of it that displayed the servanthood of Jesus. And I want to begin by looking at the humility of Christ as Paul refers us to it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. He said it this way, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Now, I want you to catch that. Don't miss that. Taking the form of a servant. That's going to come up in just a few minutes. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even, even death on a cross. What a display of our king, the most exalted, high, and lofty one who has ever walked this earth, and yet he humbled himself to the point of laying down his life on the cross. And so we are here together with Jesus at the Last Supper. This is the night of his betrayal. I, I just I feel like the, the, the significance of this night is so important to have, just feeling the shadow of that sacrifice. We, we are here tonight, friends, in the shadow of the cross. I think as we read through what Jesus taught his disciples with that mindset, we understand so much more. We see more clearly what he was beginning to feel and how this night was impacting him as time drew closer and closer to his work. Let me read from John 13, pick up the, uh, the journey with his disciples here. It says, During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, knowing, uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. And then taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to, to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. This is something that none of the disciples saw coming. When Jesus stood up, we don't know, it says during supper here in the ESV, in the, in the New King James Version, it says after supper. We don't know exactly, but at some point along the way in the meal, they're there and they're in the room. And the question begs, well, why, why has no one washed the feet of Jesus? As I studied this past week, even 
learned more about foot washing. We saw this past Sunday about how uh, the, the prostitute wet Jesus' feet with her tears and washed and wiped them with her hair and then poured this expensive ointment on them and all of that. That should have been done before that point, but, but how rude it was that, that Jesus would be the guest in this Pharisee's house and he would not have already washed his feet. Well, I found as I dug more deeply that uh, the washing of feet was such a low uh, task. It was seen as so degrading and so humiliating that uh, a Jewish servant could be requested to do it for those guests. If you had a Jewish servant uh, who was there, you could request them, but you could not compel them. Even a Jewish servant was not required to wash the feet of the guests of that house. Only a Gentile servant could be required to do such a thing. And so we, we get a little bit more of a sense for how significant this is. Well, why has it not already been done? Well, it must be that there was not a servant at this house available to wash the feet of these men as they came in for this last supper. The interesting thing then goes to, well, what, what about the disciples? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that, that one of the disciples would have had this sense of, of, of Jesus teaching over all of these times that, well, maybe I should just wash the feet of these men, certainly of Jesus. Well, no, they hadn't done that either. What's interesting is, is they're arguing at this point about who will be the greatest, who will sit next to Jesus in the kingdom. That is what they have in mind. Greatness. And Jesus is going to show them what true greatness looks like. So he stands up. All eyes would have come on Jesus at this point. He stands up and, and, and he takes off his outer garments, it says, and he wraps around himself this towel. What does that mean? What, why, what is he doing? Well, he is quite literally taking the form of a servant. This is the servant's attire. This Jesus lays aside his outer garments, grabs this towel, and wraps it around his loins and around his waist, and then he kneels down and he takes water. Now, I asked Jesse to help me tonight. Jesse, why don't you come up? Yeah. Okay. Come sit up here. I'm going to wash Jesse's feet tonight. I just want us to have this experience. This, this is an amazing display of humility and servanthood that Jesus is going to show. I think at first the disciples would have been absolutely floored. What, what is happening? Why is he doing this? And then as Jesus took the water and he began to pour it on the feet. And then wipe it with the towel and wash their feet. Now, just think of this one person at a time. He is going around one by one around the table of these 12 men. This takes time. I think it would have been silent during this. They would have been stunned in silence as Jesus is moving through one by one, clothed as a servant, on his knees, washing their feet, their dirty, smelly, 
grimy feet. Just think, the highest of all is performing the lowliest of tasks. Jesus washes their feet one by one by one. Can you imagine if you were, say, the Apostle John, and you're sitting there, and and Jesus is is washing your feet. You have this moment where you're just like, the creator of creation is washing my dirty, filthy feet. It just seems so wrong, doesn't it? It seems like everything is backwards. This shouldn't be. In fact, he comes around to Peter, and, and Peter says, Lord, I don't want you to wash my feet. You you can't wash my feet. I should wash your feet. And Jesus says to Peter, it's quite a rebuke. He says, Peter, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter, just like Peter, we love this guy, right? He comes back and he says, well, then wash all of me. Wash all of me. Because I want everything to do with you, Jesus. I am all in. And Jesus says, no, it is only necessary that I wash your feet. You have need only once for a full body wash, as it were. Now, as you walk through the world, your feet are stained by sin, and you need this daily reminder of foot washing, of the provision of the gospel. Day after day, the gospel meets us, Jesus meets us in our daily need and washes our feet. In Matthew 20, 28, we find this. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what it's going to look like. So again, this foot washing is a pointer. What's it pointing to? It's pointing to the cross. He's saying the, the, the ultimate cleansing, the greatest washing that has ever been accomplished is going to take place when I take upon myself all of your sin and I pay for it in full and I die the death that you deserve and then I rise in victory over sin and death and hell Disarm the rulers and authorities. Satan has no hold on you anymore because he is defeated. We keep reading. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate your help with that. Okay. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so, get ready, I am. I love that. Every time Jesus says those words, I am, I love that. He says it's right. I am Lord. I am teacher. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, for, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What's he saying? He's saying this is the kind of love. This is Monday, Thursday. This is the mandatum. This is the display of love. 
wash one another's feet, love one another, serve one another, pour yourselves out for one another, just as I have loved you and I am about to display the ultimate love in just a few hours on the cross. That's the kind of love you're called to. We shouldn't oversimplify or misconstrue this as somehow that we're supposed to wash each other's actual feet every time we get together. That's missing the point. What he's saying is serve, be humble, get low. This is greatness in the kingdom. Become like a servant. And every time we do, we point to the glory of Christ. We magnify His greatness in laying down His life for us. Friends, this is the high calling of servanthood. It is Christ-exalting servanthood. It circles us back around to where we began. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Almighty God and Eternal Father, we give praise to you. We thank you for this love, this amazing, incredible, undeserved love that you have given in the sending of your Son, Jesus. We worship you, we honor you, we glorify you, and we pray, Lord, that we would be met in a special way tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday as we recall and rejoice in this great love. We see your love most clearly in the face of our Savior and our Lord and our teacher, Jesus Christ. We see him on his knees, serving, washing our own feet in love. Most clearly, Lord, we see his body on the cross, his blood poured out for us, and we worship. How great your love. Oh, Father, make us like this. Make us love like this. Cause us in gratitude and joy because we have been changed, because we've been forgiven and set free to love. Lord, cause our love for one another to look like this more and more each day. May our love glorify Christ and honor his gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.